and welcome. In a few hours from now, the Delhi High Court will be hearing the ongoing case on petitions challenging the legal exception that protects men from criminal prosecution in cases of forced non-consensual intercourse with their wives. Basically, there are multiple petitions challenging the exception to Section 375 of the Indian Penal Code, code which exempts forceful sexual intercourse by a man with his wife from the offence of rape, provided that the wife is above 15 years of age. Now, the Delhi High Court is currently in the process of hearing final arguments in a series of public interest litigations, or PILs, challenging this marital rape exception clause in Section 375 of the Indian Penal Code. Now, Section 375 of the IPC defines various acts that, if done against a woman's consent, by force, by fraud or coercion, or to a woman who's incapable of giving consent, these are defined as rape. Now, the heart of the debate right now is an exception. Exception 2 to Section 375 of the IPC, which states that any sexual act performed by a man on his own wife is not rape as long as the wife is not a minor. So, we're asking, does marriage mean irrevocable inherent consent? Do women not have a right to their bodies after marriage? Are a husband and a wife not equal before the law? These are all disconcerting questions, but they must be asked. They must be talked about because it exposes perhaps, you know, a deep-rooted patriarchy in our society. It raises questions about the concept of marriage in the Indian scenario. And apart from the legal complexities, there are social and emotional impacts of this. And we at We The People don't shy away from difficult conversations. And so joining us tonight... As we turn a mirror on ourselves as a society, we have uh, Satyapal Jain, Additional Solicitor General of India, member of the BJP. Pinky Anand, also with the BJP, a senior advocate, former Additional Solicitor General of India. We have uh, Vrinda Grover, Geeta Lutra, both senior advocates in the Supreme Court. Uh, Rupenshu Pratap Singh, a men's rights activist and an advocate in the Supreme Court and the Delhi High Court. And Seema Samridhi Kushwaha, an advocate again in the Supreme Court and also Nirbhai's lawyer. So um, I guess I want to start with our, uh, you know, our women lawyers. The most important question perhaps before the court is how do you define consent? So Vinda Grover to you, uh, not an easy question. Uh, there is an expectation of conjugal sexual relationship. Uh, in a marriage. But does this mean a partner has a right to sex? The social construct of marriage implies you have an emotional and a physical or a sexual companionship. But does that mean consent is inherent? If someone is married, does a partner have a right to say no legally? So uh, there is a mutual expectation of conjugal sexual relationship in a marriage. Uh, it's not just from the man. Secondly, uh, what w- the expectation may well be there. And that is part of a marital relationship. I think the question that the court is addressing and the only question that a court of law can adjudicate, particularly a constitutional court, is whether that expectation, when it transgresses and encroaches the fundamental rights of a woman, can that continue to be Uh, allowed Hmm. within our current constitutional jurisprudence. And therefore, what is important to also recognize, what is the legislative history of this provision, which comes from a colonial era, 
and we know that the present government has repeatedly said that colonial laws will have no place in independent india well here is a provision which continues to perpetuate a man's conjugal rights in fact his privilege and his control and dominion over a woman's body which is today in absolute conflict with our constitutional rights as guaranteed under the indian constitution and elaborated in the 29 uh, from the puttaswami judgment onwards the where privacy was recognized as a fundamental uh, right as well as the autonomy agency and control that a woman must have hmm. uh, over her own body and this has been very in great detail explicated in a 2019 judgment of the constitution bench of the supreme court paul joseph shine which decriminalized adultery on precisely these grounds saying that constitutional morality must enter and there may be social morality there may be people who do not agree but when a constitutional court is going to adjudicate it has to see what are the guarantees and rights that a woman enjoys and if this legal immunity it actually gives legal immunity to a husband because it in perpetuity hmm. recognizes that consent is given or in fact actually where it comes from is that a woman has no say in the matter she has no agency and that has been struck down by the supreme court so i don't think this exception can withstand judicial scrutiny any longer so does a woman have no agency or have no options pinky anand uh, in court those who oppose this move say that uh, uh, women who are subjected to sexual violence by their husbands they're saying that you know you don't need to do all this you don't need to change this ipc uh, this option is not necessary because women do have other um uh, uh, criminal avenues available to them to protect them today what would you say uh you know this this is quite an ignominy so to say you can't say you have other avenues therefore you shouldn't have a particular avenue which is available the question today is considering 375 ipc considering that ipc itself carved out exception initially for even uh, younger children between 15 to 18 in terms of statutory rape similarly exception 2 carves out this exception for marital rape and this is stood over the period of time of course when that's right it comes from colonial era in fact starting from somebody called uh, chief justice matthew hale right back in 18th century and today we are somewhere in the 22nd century so i don't know what we are really talking about on that but the question is of having other revenues like uh, avenues like you're talking about 498a or you're talking about divorce in fact recently i think you know the karnataka high court also Uh, granted a decree of divorce uh, on the ground of uh, marital rape but mm. the point is not that today the whole question is the law in our country says there is rape if there is absence of consent yeah. and if an unmarried woman is raped mm. the same will amount to rape and if it is converted into a marriage correct uh, it will stop stop being uh, rape i mean that is a real question today that does stand is the classification on the basis of rape which can withstand the scrutiny of law and frankly i'll tell you the whole question really which has arisen today we are talking about the penal code which has been there from the 19th century in india we follow colonial era we go into various laws which treat women as a property of the husband and england and has the changed these laws <clears throat> england has changed pakistan has changed i mean you you have more than 100 countries that uh, recognize marital rape as an offense 
the question is not whether a person should file or not file the question is can a person file should a person have an access should a woman have an access to say i cannot be forced upon or i can't be considered the property should the question of consent be implied when consent itself cannot be implied if if it is a no should it mean a no or is it something which can be transgressed on the ground of it there being an exception uh, to 375 ipc i think these are all the crucial questions that have come up and for example today even today as it stands <laughs> you have 377 as an offense for a married woman or even as on date so unnatural offense would still be constituted as an offense under the ipc whereas uh, marital rape is exempted so i think the whole perception is starting from this whole concept one understands where it comes from not that you don't there's the whole question of institution of marriage and the fact that there was this balloon made and said this is carved out and nobody will go into this uh, balloon and will remain intact the balloon has had to break it at, uh, at an appropriate stage you have mm. a civil society concept you have something which doesn't stand the wits and withstand the scrutiny of articles 14 15 and 21 of the constitution it can't the question is now come to court has been there for some time justice verma's committee for example also recommended justice malimath committee went into the question yeah. you've had every possible recommendation anyway the point is can it be done should it be done i guess we all agree that the time is right for mm. this action to be taken um, even the government is undertaking a consultative process unlike there has been a change in the affidavit to that extent this consultative process will hopefully result in a in a change over in any case mm. the matter is before the court and the courts have to take into account whether this is constitutional or it is unconstitutional mm. but we've taken our time it's been i think there's been a break because of the pandemic and more important issues were being discussed uh, as the government had to prioritize and our courts had to prioritize on cases but geeta luthra if you can pick up on what that important uh, point uh, uh pinky was making over there uh pinky anand that we have this odd situation that where under the current laws so an unmarried woman can prosecute a man for sexual intercourse maybe her partner her long time partner her live in partner while a married woman cannot so we're basically discriminating against married women in a sense yes so in a sense you are really continuing the argument of joseph schein you are really yeah. continuing an argument where adultery was an offense because you said that a woman was a man's property so if another man had sexual relations with her then he was guilty of adultery so similarly the actual original concept was that a woman was being treated as an extension of the man or the man's property but one of the so therefore if we look exact only from joseph shine viewpoint and what the law laid down there then is bound to be struck down but there is a very important question which the court is asking mm. and which is the question we have to ask ourselves can so, the court legislate would it be a new offense in the indian penal code would this be indirectly legislating and is that going to be a reason correct. why the court may be shy of interfering because what the question the court has put to 
the petitioners is this. Tell us cases where offenses have been added by the courts in the penal code. Now, the arguments that have been made by all petitioners and which is a very attractive argument, but may be difficult to answer this question is this, that we are only saying strike down this exception hmm. because it falls foul of Article 14, 15 yeah. or the dignity of a woman. And since this is in its own way, an ex- exception. If you strike down this exception, you make a married woman equal to an unmarried woman, equal to a living partner, equal. But again, the courts have only asked this question to which the answer can perhaps be the law, as Pinky said, in 1991, House of Lords said the same thing which had been said, say, in 1876 earlier and which which was turned down and turned around. And the House of Lords says in R versus R in the, in the UK mm. that, look, we cannot but not accept this argument. It was a case of attempt to rape and... Uh, and the wife was making this allegation. Hmm. And the court said, such an argument in today's day, when men and women are equal, cannot be cannot made. Be. But then the devil's advocate may say, should men have the same right? True. Interesting. Yeah, should men have the same right? I'll go across to that. But, you know, Pinky, I do. Uh, Pinky says that the center's stand has changed on this matter. But in a sense, really, they've been very unclear and wishy-washy. 2016, first, they raised issues of social disharmony, damage to marriage and family systems if marital rape is uh, decriminalized. Now, in its latest affidavit this week, they have uh, taken the stand, stand that you've uh, talked about, that they're saying you need more consultation on this contentious issue. I really do feel we'd like to get a clear idea of where the government stands uh, on this matter. But uh, the other issue raised over here is, uh, uh, you know, men. We're hearing arguments uh, in this case also from men's rights organizations that are opposed to this petition. And Rupenshu Pratap Singh is a, uh, he describes himself as a men's rights activist. He's also an advocate in the Supreme Court and the Delhi High Court. And uh, uh, Rupenshu, you're part of this uh, group uh, that's supposedly trending on Twitter called hashtag marriage strike where uh, netizens are vowing not to marry if uh, if marital rape is criminalized. We have pictures of men holding placards saying save Indian men. You basically your fear is that uh, this would be misused like Uh, many other laws in this country. It's not about the the misuse of this uh, thing. The the marital bond is of a private nature. And it is essential to maintain the privacy between the husband and wife. Since marital privacy is an extension to right to privacy, uh, therefore it forms an integral part of Article 21 of Constitution of India. And if we also talk about the equality, then Article 14, uh, 14 gives us the power, gives us something where, where you, you are equal uh, in a similar manner. So if we are just uh, bringing down the exceptions uh, exceptions in uh, section in 375, then we we require to change some more sections as well because it is, uh, specifically if you are not uh, uh, 
seeing the status of a married woman versus uh, unmarried woman because uh, like married women can file section 125 crpc case on a spouse uh, so so not likely an unmarried woman so the status changed after the marriage similarly like section 100, uh, 114 a to- uh, of evidence <laughs> talks about the uh, consent so the th- whatever incident are taking place is it within the between uh, within the four walls and there was only two persons appear, uh, present and uh, and th- this is a very sacramental uh, thing like this marriage in india is a social uh, social religious sacramental union not only between two individuals but between two families and it is evident since time immemorial that the purpose of marriage is not confined only to the physical intimacy of the partners but goes far beyond and in indispensable for the growth of society by way of procreation and agency right. okay and uh, I- one more small point i, I want to discuss here that uh, like uh, right now after the arnish kumar judgment of supreme court they have they have given 41 acrpc the uh, gifts where the where the punishment is less than 7 years then you need to given notice uh, to to the person to appear but in case this uh, 375 for rape marital rape comes into the picture then the automatic arrest will take place so what what be the self dignity and if you are talking about the husbands on a on a manner what if comes out that the accusations led by the person is false but if if she he already gone behind the bars then what what would be his future his self dignity how society will treat him and what about his kids how they are his kids will see him and how future. what will be her future okay i want to i'm going to raise that uh, um, with uh, vrinda grover but first um, uh, seema smriti kushwaha could you respond here to rupenshu singh about uh, the misuse of laws ma'am. and uh, the rest of his uh, points because uh, many laws are misused यस अगर हम एटीन सेंचुरी की बात करें जब हमारा देश आजाद नहीं हुआ तो जो भी ब्रिटिश पीरियड में लॉज बने वो अभी तक इंडिया में उनको ही फॉलो किया जा रहा था जब एक प्रोग्रेसिव लॉ की बात आई जहां पर विमेन के ह्यूमन राइट एंड उसके जो फंडामेंटल राइट की बात हुई आर्टिकल 21, आर्टिकल 19, आर्टिकल 14 की बात हुई तो वहां पर अगर देखेंगे कि सोसाइटी में अगर आज भी 498 एक एक ऐसे देखेंगे 377 आईपीसी की बात करेंगे तो 377 अननेचुरल सेक्स की बात कर रहा है वो ग्राउंड डिवोर्स का हो सकता है बट वो रेप का ग्राउंड नहीं है अगर मेरिटल स्टेटस में रहते हुए फीमेल अगर अपने हस्बैंड के अगेंस्ट ये एफआईआर लॉन्च करवा रही है अगर मैम हम पूरे स्ट्रक्चर की बात करें क्या एक सोसाइटी में फैमिली जैसे इंस्टीट्यूशंस को प्रोटेक्ट करने के लिए इंडिविजुअल विमेन का राइट उसका फंडामेंटल राइट उसका ह्यूमन राइट का वायलेशन होता रहेगा दूसरा अगर हम पूरे स्ट्रक्चर की बात करें मैम चाहे वो कानून जितना भी अभी तक मेकिंग हुए हैं इनकी इवन की पॉलिसी मेकिंग की बात करें या फिर पूरे स्ट्रक्चर की बात करें चाहे हमारा रिलीजियस स्ट्रक्चर हो या हमारा एडमिनिस्ट्रेटिव स्ट्रक्चर हो पॉलिटिकल स्ट्रक्चर हो सभी में सारा चीज तो मेल पर्सन के द्वारा ये क्रिएट किया गया सारा उनके द्वारा बनाया गया अगर एक फीमेल जिसका अगर प्राइवेट स्पेस की बात हो रही है या प्राइवेसी की बात हो रही है तो उस प्राइवेसी से निकल करके फोर नाइनटी केसेस है वो फीमेल कर रही है 377 की केसेस कर रही है वहां पर सबसे बड़ा जो रोल है लॉ के अगर मिसयूज की बात होगी तो सबसे बड़ा जो लॉ का रोल जो इन्वेस्टिगेशन एजेंसियां हैं उनका रोल प्ले हो okay. करना आएगा कि जो इन्वेस्टिगेशन एजेंसियां किस तरीके से इन्वेस्टिगेट कर रही हैं कि अगर फॉल्स केसेस हो रहे हैं तो yeah. उनको कैसे रोका जाए ये लेजिस्लेचर का काम है ये इन्वेस्टिगेशन एजेंसियों का काम है लेकिन yes. इस वजह से कि लॉ का मिसयूज होगा किसी एक इंडिविजुअल इंसान की आइडेंटिटी डिग्निटी को आप 
इंस्टीट्यूशन फैमिली इंस्टीट्यूशन के नाम पर डिस्ट्रॉय किया जाता रहेगा तो ये तो मुझे लगता है कि एक तरीके से जो भी फीमेल मेल पर्सन आकर के स्ट्राइक करे कि इंस्टीट्यूशंस को बचाना है या इंडिविजुअल फीमेल 49% आबादी जो कि एनर्जेटिक है टैलेंटेड है जो कि अपने राइट का यूज करना चाह रही बट फैमिली जैसे इंस्टीट्यूशंस में ऑल इंपॉर्टेंट पॉइंट Yes Vrinda Grover uh, you know we're talking about protecting women so in a sense is another difficult uh, aspect to this whole uh, debate is that you know, see rape is a serious offense and it carries a long jail term 10 year so the thing is you know if someone rapes you on the street or commits a crime you don't care if they go to jail in fact you want them put away but when you're married the reality is when you're married when you have children you're financially intertwined a woman will become destitute if her husband is charged with rape put away perhaps for 10 years so um, what do you advise your clients rinda grover pinky anand when they come to you that because does your client want to send their husband to jail or do they just want the violence or you know the mental stress to stop how do you balance that as someone who speaks up for women's issues women's rights and as a lawyer protecting your client's long term interests So as a uh, lawyer, Jane, if you're asking, if you're asking, what should a lawyer be doing, or what we should be doing as lawyers, uh, I I would say that this really depends upon what the woman wants to do. It will right. be very difficult to really advise a woman that you should file a complaint or you shouldn't file a complaint. In fact, it is my general belief that in in matters, particularly of such emotional uh, issues and of, of tangible kind of relationships that you have, what should a woman do? Should she seek a remedy or not seek a remedy? is purely up to her it is very difficult to say that that a lawyer should actually intervene to say you should because okay. the consequences as you rightly said are something that she's got to decide but brinda once the, if the law changes then where does this leave your client to that if i can i think uh, uh, as pinky has very rightly said the job of a lawyer is to advise and the job of a lawyer is to lay down all the legal options before the client each woman and that is where we also need to respect the agency of the woman she takes a decision depending on her circumstances the Pro- protection of women from domestic violence act of 2015 in the definition of domestic violence <clears throat> includes sexual abuse so there is a civil law remedy where you can get a protection order from a, a court of a restraint of an injunction including against sexual abuse what is not available is and again it depends on the circumstances perhaps the protection order a civil law remedy is not uh, enough for what she uh, wishes to go ahead with and therefore the criminal law remedy will also be available and women will decide and choose which avenue of law they uh, a wife will decide and choose which avenue of law she wishes to access so it is not as though uh, the civil law remedy is not available and that she will not know where what to do what is happening today is that the other remedy places marriage on a pedestal and subordinates the woman particularly oh. her her uh, self determination over her sexual relations i just want to add one more point if i may the issue that was raised about a new offense this issue was frontally addressed by the supreme court in independent thought which raised the age of uh, um, where well, earlier it was if the wife is below 15 years raised it to 18 years in independent thought it was categorically said by the supreme court that we are not creating a new offense by doing this here also what will the except a deletion of the exception do the immunity to a subsection of men namely husbands will be taken away the offense as in section 375 stays and stands 
as the same offense there is no nothing changing in the offense at all no new offense gets created through this all right all right well uh, this is not the last we've heard on this but as pinky anand pointed out marital rape has been criminalized in more than 100 countries but india is in a league of our own with a small club of countries about 32 where marital rape is not criminalized and we're bracketed along with the lines of afghanistan iran nigeria libya even the english like we said themselves criminalized marital rape way back in 1991 but now it uh, remains to be seen how the court will interpret all of these legal issues intricate legal issues uh aspects to this that have been raised by everyone on our panel tonight thank you all for joining us for being part of this com- conversation for putting the spotlight on this thank you bye bye